From Dirty Spoon Media, it's Home Fried. I'm Jonathan Ammons. A couple times a week, we are bringing you conversations to keep you informed and entertained during the coronavirus lockdown. How's your pantry looking? Pretty stocked? Judging from the empty shelves at the grocery stores, it looks like a lot of us have been stocking up on canned goods and baking supplies. But I'm sure some of you, especially those used to eating out more than in, are forced with the troubling dilemma of realizing that you don't know what to do with all of these ingredients. Let's face it, most of us have one or two dishes that we cooked really well, and it's a reach for us to cook outside of those parameters. Well, we brought in an expert to help us come up with some ways to stretch those lockdown pantries into an array of fun and creative dishes. Allison Sadu lives in Los Angeles. She's the managing editor for Gardener's Path and Foodle, and her entire career revolves around coming up with new creative ways to cook and utilize our gardens. I caught up with her and picked her brain about our overflowing pantries just as the stay-at-home orders were beginning to kick in in Los Angeles. Here's our conversation. So, yeah, how are things in L.A.? What's L.A.'s response been like? Things are going pretty well at home, but I have heard many reports about the grocery stores. Everything's out, except, sadly, uh, lots of kale and cauliflower pizza crusts still on the shelves for whatever reason. I've seen photos of places cleared out except for those. So people (laughs) still have their... uh, their comfort food and certain priorities in mind. There's things that they're still not willing to take, I guess. But, um, you know, something that's been great for me is being able to keep ordering um, from my local farms and support my local businesses. You know, all the farmers have their their crops in the ground and their fruit trees growing anyway. They didn't have any way of planning for this year. So besides all the pantry, pantry staples, you know, we really have to try to focus on getting those fresh foods to the people right now as well. Yeah, for sure. Are there a lot of cases in, in LA at this point? Like what's, what's it, what does it look like? I think last time I checked, I forget the exact numbers. Um, there have been a few more, a few more deaths and some, you know, concerns about the load on the local hospitals and things like that. Um, schools are closed, which means there's a lot of kids who rely on those public school lunches and meals. Um, I've been doing what I can to support the LA food bank and, you know, I would encourage other people to do the same if there's anything they can do to help the the neediest people in their communities and the people who really can't stock up in advance. Yeah. Is, uh, have they shut restaurants and things down or is that? Yeah, we're on, um, we're on delivery only right now. Um, it's really been a struggle for a lot of people who, who work at, you know, everywhere, Grand Central Market, um, all the, all the various restaurants around here. LA is such a huge food city. Um, a lot of the restaurant workers are facing either being out of work for an indeterminate amount of time or, or being expected to get there, but not knowing how many customers they're actually going to have. So it's really yeah. tough. Yeah. Yeah. Is there like a union or anything for, for workers in that field out there? I should be more familiar with that than I am. Um, I've done the most work in the past with uh, ROC based out of New York. Um, Most of the people here I've actually worked with are more on the food security and agriculture side of things. Um, But I know there's a few people I follow on Instagram who have been posting, at least before it became a citywide thing, posting all of the closures um, as the news was coming in because that was the only 
that was the only way she was able to contribute as as a journalist as of a couple of days ago. You know, all the stories were were the closures. And I heard from some people who actually that was how they heard that they were about to be out of work. They heard it from from this journalist before they heard from their own bosses. So as far oh, wow. as like the organization and communication that's also involved, I mean, that's incredibly important right now. I also have friends who work in um, big chain grocery stores who are trying to figure out their sick pay, being able to offer extra benefits to people and setting things up, not only on the one end, you know, enabling their employees to also be able to shop for themselves, but also setting up special hours for elderly people, people with compromised immune systems to kind of have the have the store to themselves for a little bit of extra safety. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, people are trying and I think, you know, just saying it, it's lip service, but you really got to try to maintain a positive attitude and staying well fed, I think, is a big part of that right now. Yeah. How is this affecting you guys at Food All? Um, you know, we have a lot of interest in, and at Gardener's Path as well, in stories about, um, you know, big batch cooking, getting those appliances out of the closet and dusting them off, the things you've forgotten about, like your your slow cooker and your pasta maker, the dehydrator, the instant pot, you know, now's the time to be getting those things out and returning not only to those comforting or even survival recipes, but you know, food that can be really big on flavor and satisfying while we're cooking with our, our pantry staples and things that have a little bit more, um, more of a, a shelf life and that it's easy to stock up on, um, gardener's path too. You know, a lot of people right now are really excited to still get out into the garden and get started. Um, it can be a huge stress reliever if you do have any garden space or even, you know, a sunny windowsill to start some herbs right now. Um, that's something that a lot of people maybe haven't had time in their busy work lives to return to. Maybe it's something they remember from when they're kids. Um, and now's the time for that. You know, you can order a lot of plants online. There are a lot of local garden centers that are still open or you can order things through the mail and, you know, it's a great time to get those tomato seeds started and, and grow yeah. some basil too. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, let's. Uh, I guess. I mean, that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about for sure is how to utilize our stockpiled pantries. Because right. what can you possibly make with toilet paper and all of mm -hmm. that rice? And <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's a funny thing. That's something I've been thinking about a lot. You know, we have we have our basics. Whether you're somebody who you know, cooked often before the virus or or not, most people have some olive oil and vinegar and, you know, honey and breadcrumbs and you've got your dried and canned beans and lentils and rice and maybe some canned tomatoes. But all these ingredients are really a blank slate. So now is the opportunity to figure out how you're going to add the flavor in there, how you're going to make diverse meals that your family's interested in eating, that you're not just facing the same, you know, pot of beans and rice as good as it may be on the first day. You're probably going to be sick of it by the third or fourth, right? Um, so it's really an opportunity if you can get your hands on fresh stuff, but also even more so those canned and jarred condiments and sauces, you know, there's so many different ways you can go with flavor. Um, you've got your alliums, you know, your garlic, onions, shallots, and those don't have to be fresh. You know, if you can't get them, you can get 
dried or crystallized or powdered garlic or onion. Um, you've got your condiments to spice things up, things like sriracha and gochujang and mustard, um, you know, soy sauce. And then some of my favorite things are the jarred items, you know, sun-dried tomatoes, um, olives, marinated artichokes, capers. Like these are all really great for adding a burst of flavor. Um, you can add them to your chicken or your bean dishes. You can put them on top of homemade bread and make some focaccia. You know, it doesn't have to be these plain basic foods. There's really a lot we can do. Um, and spice blends as well, you know, a lot of people who don't cook often, they might have some old, out-of-date spices in the cabinet, and the ground stuff really doesn't last that long. So now is also a good opportunity to clean out the stuff in the back of the pantry and replace it if you can. Um, you yeah. know, most spices won't last you more than six months, but <clears throat> things like garam masala, you know, zatar, dukkha spice, furikake, those can add all different kinds of flavor profiles that make things a lot more interesting. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that like, to me, I've always encouraged people never to not to buy spice blends that are already pre-made because you probably have most of the ingredients already in your spice pantry that go into those blends. So like if you want to make a Cajun dish, if you want to make some gumbo, don't go out and buy a Cajun seasoning. You've probably got all the things that go into that in your pantry dry stock already. For sure. And it's a great opportunity too to adjust it to your liking. You know, if you are on a low sodium diet or if you don't like a lot of spice, like at my house growing up, my mom was very sensitive to a lot of strong flavors. For her, black pepper is too spicy. And when you buy a blend, <laughs> right? When you buy a blend, you don't have the control though. If there's too much cayenne in there, you might have to put in a lot of extra work to balance it out versus if you, you know, toast those whole spices in a dry pan yourself, get out the mortar and pestle, you know, you can make it however you like. Yeah. Um, yeah, what's on the menu for you guys? What are you what have you been making? So many things. So one thing that's very exciting, um, my husband, Sonny, he he likes to cook, but I wouldn't say he's as much of an enthusiastic, lifelong cook as I have been. Um, but we were both lucky to grow up in families that were all about home cooking. Um, and he's very excited these days about the Instant Pot. Um, so today, later today, we're going to be making some vegetarian chili. Um, my, a slight adjustment, my standard recipe uses canned beans, but we're going to be getting out those dry beans today with lots of frozen corn and fresh peppers, all of our different kinds of chili and cayenne. Um, we're excited to make a big batch of that. Another thing that we're huge fans of that's really easy to make in the instant pot is risotto. You know, you can flavor that however you like. You could do chicken stock. You could do a tomato-based risotto, even with maybe some fire-roasted canned tomatoes. Um, but one of my favorites, which is another great thing to have in the pantry, um, is to start with dried mushrooms for your base. You know, you can <clears throat> use any kind you like. Um, some people, if they're lucky, might be able to get fresh morels at this time of year, you know. It's an exciting time for foragers as well with the ramps coming into season and the morels. But, and that's you know, the great thing have... to do, isolated when you need to <laughs> yeah. go hiking in the woods. <laughs> Absolutely. And what are the odds? I mean, you're almost guaranteed to be at least six feet away from other people. What a beautiful <laughs> totally. thing to do, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but you know, however you get the flavor in there and, you know, starting a risotto with dried mushrooms is really, it's one of my favorite comfort foods. So now's the perfect time for that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's, uh, it's funny. I've been, I've been on this kick of doing just like a bunch of Asian foods. I've been doing a ton of Chinese and Japanese cooking, a little bit of Thai stuff. And so I'd already stockpiled all these like dehydrated and dried mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, those are going to come in so handy right now. Right, um, exactly. And that also brings up the issue of like, go to your local Asian market right now. Like, yes, there are people that are kind of being discriminated against right now. Oh that, gosh, more than kind of. And yeah. especially, I mean, where I live, Los Angeles and San Francisco as well, we have a huge amazing involved Asian population in our community. And these are the small businesses in particular that won't survive if people don't keep shopping there. You know, some of these places have been around almost as long as Los Angeles has been around. Things aren't as old on my coast as they are where you are, you know, and, and it would be a shame to lose them and to have these amazing, uh, you know, staples of the community suddenly lose their customer base. So yeah, you can get all kinds of special ingredients at the Asian markets if that's not a way you're used to cooking. Um, I think it's a great time to go out on a limb a little bit and try some new flavors too. You know, there are plenty of people to talk to and you go to the store and say, Hey, you know, what do you use this in at home? What can I make? Um, there yeah. is no better time to experiment than right now. YouTube For has sure. just about everything you need. <laughs> Absolutely. And another thing too, maybe the opposite of experimentation, but kind of a connection to the past. I found that this is also a great time for people to dig out those old family recipes. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if your family's like mine, but for us, a lot of that stuff like passed down from my great grandmother, it wasn't really written down, you know, or if yeah. it was it was maybe a grocery list with a few directions and, and no measurements on the ingredients. And, um, last week, actually, I was able to get escarole from my local farm delivery, um, which is used commonly in Italian wedding soup. Um, it's a type of leafy green that I actually haven't been able to find much since I moved to the West coast six years ago. So I was really excited to find it. Um, and I called up my grandmother and I said, you know, I've watched you make this. I can't count how many times, but can you go through it with me? So I'll remember every step. And there were a few little bit important things I had forgotten. So, you know, now I have that written down. I got to reconnect with my grandmother who I try to talk to pretty often, but like, you know, now is a time, especially where for elderly people in particular and people with compromised immune systems, you know, you can connect with them over the phone, you can video chat with them and you can cook together and you can really still have this sense of commensality and community and family based around your food, even if you're not physically together. Yeah, that's a really good point. Also, one of the things I had was thinking about the other day was how like because the goal right now should be to go to your store less and when you're cooking from home you're having to plan things out so planning menus can be difficult for a lot of people but just trying to figure out how to not be at your store all the time do you have any tips for like making the best of that well one thing that I've been thinking about myself uh someone actually said to me yesterday that They saw a story somewhere where someone was really worried because they had gone to their local store and they weren't able to get any eggs. And they were thinking about what does this mean for the future, you know, even if the chickens are producing the eggs, if there's nobody there to pack them up and deliver them and sell them to you, 
what does that mean for you at home? So in addition to trying to do menu planning, trying to shop your own pantry and fridge and cabinet, you know, we still want to follow basic restaurant rules and home kitchen rules of first in, first out. You know, we don't want to let our good fresh stuff expire and just focus on that canned and dry stuff that we stockpiled. But I think it's really important too to be okay with substitutions. And this is another place where the internet is an amazing resource on Foodle and on other sites as well. We have a bunch of articles which give advice about different substitutions you can use, whether you're doing your quarantine baking or if you're trying to figure out, you know, how to make a dinner for your family and you're somebody who's used to eating meat and two vegetables every night. Like how can you adjust to do things a little differently? Um, A lot of substitutions people will find are based around specific diets like being vegan or being gluten-free, but that doesn't mean they're not for everybody, you know? So say you're out of eggs and you want to bake, you can use a flax egg. If you're able to get ground flaxseed, you mix that with a little water. It has a lot of protein, so it has some of the same elasticity and properties of an egg. So that's something you can use in your baking or say you run out of butter, you know, a lot of baked goods but can be made with something like applesauce or squash puree that you might have, you know, a leftover can of pumpkin that you didn't use at Thanksgiving or some applesauce that you haven't eaten, you know, <clears throat> we can do things a little differently, still be able to make some of our favorite foods and foods that we're used to that are just as satisfying. And yes, maybe they are suddenly, you know, vegan because of that change, but it doesn't mean that you suddenly changed your principles, changed your favorite foods or your diet or anything like that. You're just learning how to, how to use what you have and how to substitute. Yeah. Try new things for a change. Yeah. Now's now's the perfect time. And if you don't like it, you don't have to eat it because you made it. Yes. That's the thing. (laughs) I think it's tough for a lot of people, you know, for people who don't spend a lot of time in the kitchen, you know, kitchen safety is important. If you got that brand new set of knives that you got as a gift over the holidays, but you never use them, they're sharp. If you're not used to using a sharp knife, you have to be careful. You have to take your time and pay attention to what you're doing. You know, um, <laughs> we don't we don't want more people in in the hospitals who aren't sick because they had some kind of kitchen mishap. But but another thing that's important about you know taking your time or suddenly trying to follow recipes when it's not what you're used to. I think a lot of people who are new to cooking who or who aren't as experienced are afraid that with what little ingredients they have, they might ruin something. You know, say you go to all this effort and then you burn what you made or it doesn't taste good. And what does that mean for dinner that night? You know, and this is another time where like, you know, I've been cooking since before I could read, before I could reach the kitchen counter. I was climbing up on a chair and stirring that batter or whatever with my grandmother. And even though I have a lot of experience, I know I have these basic cooking instincts and a feel for things that I can rely on. I'm still an obsessive recipe reader. Even recipes I know, I will read and reread and measure carefully And sometimes that's the key. You know, if you take your time, try to get the temperature right, try to measure, especially when you're baking, you're likely to have better outcomes, you know. And then another thing with taste, talking about these substitutions reminded me, I get questions all the time from people specifically who aren't used to doing vegan substitutions for eggs or for butter who say to me, I made this 
I followed the recipe. I measured. It tastes awful. Or my kitchen smelled awful. What did I do wrong? <laughs> and, I, and, you know, every time I kind of smile to myself and then I tell them because I know what the answer is. People who don't cook often, their oil hangs around. And the flaxseed or the flax oil isn't in the refrigerator. And it's important for people to know that some of those things, they might be pantry staples, sure, but they do still expire. Yeah. And if you expose, you know, things that are fat-based to heat, they're going to go rancid quickly. So now is also a time where it's really important in cooking to rely on your senses. You know, if something doesn't smell good... If you have if you have a good sense of smell, you can probably figure this out and don't cook with it, you know? <laughs> don't rely just on the recipe. Buy fresh stuff now if you can. Put it in the fridge, put it in the freezer. You know, your your um your whole grain flours and your oils and your nuts, they will last longer if you have room in your freezer, you know? And that will set you up to do better cooking if you can rely on your ingredients and they're fresh, you know? Yeah. For sure. Another thing I was thinking of, um, so so my roommate is a really great cook. Mm-hmm. He likes to use a lot of fresh veggies, fresh fish, things like that. But he's also the type of person that when he cooks, will cook six different courses right. and use everything in the fridge. And now is a time of, of kind of rationing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because we it is. It's hard to, to do if that's not what you're used to. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if you have any tips for like stretching things and lengthening things since you you don't want to use everything in your fridge to make a, a, a single dish. Right. Exactly. Well, I've got two suggestions. One is now is the time where leftovers can be really important. You know, you don't want to let the leftovers go to waste so that you can have something new and exciting for every meal. Um, There's also going to be a lot of people who are used to eating lunch out, who are now working from home, and they suddenly have to figure out, you know, not only dinner every day, but lunch as well. So fortunately, a lot of the basic things that people are either used to making, maybe they um, meal plan through the week, so they might already know how to do this. Maybe it's new to them. If you want to make something basic like some simple refried beans or some grilled chicken, you hard boil some eggs at the beginning of the week, something like that, you can reuse all those things in different combinations. And that's where a lot of these different flavorings and sauces that we were talking about at the beginning comes in. I know you mentioned doing a lot of Asian cooking lately. And for whatever reason in my family, it was a lot of the easy to make but super flavorful Asian style dishes that we would go back to with those leftovers, you know? So to make that go further, you have rice, you can make fried rice with whatever you like. You can make kimchi fried rice and put an egg on it and some seaweed. If you had, I don't know, say you had something kind of fancy, you got a good sale of meat. So you have some pork loin or some nice pork chops. You can cut them up and stir fry them and add them with some soy sauce and make your fried rice that way. Um, you know, if you have eggs, you can add them to a tuna salad. You can make deviled eggs. You can change things up by having breakfast for dinner, which is a big thing in my family too. Like different combinations of things, maybe you would have let them go to waste before. Now you're going to blend up those roasted vegetables and make soup, you know, turn your pasta into pasta salad. There's all kinds of opportunities there where it's not just about, doing something like 
putting breadcrumbs in your meatloaf to make a bigger meatloaf. It's about giving yourself that variety that people crave um, without wasting. And and also this goes for things like, you know, when you're prepping vegetables, you save those scraps. If you make a roast chicken, you save the bones and you can make stock. Um, one of my favorite things to do if you are making hummus, you know, you save the water that's called aquafaba, which translates to bean water. And you can use that as an egg substitute. You can beat it and use it as a base hmm. for mayonnaise. You can even make meringues, you know, so there's a lot of things where, um, if you look at what you might be about to throw away, you can transform it into something else. Um, that's also a challenge I think for, for gardeners and farmers as well. And I'm really interested to see what happens because certain crops are all going to come in at once, you know, or people suddenly will plant a few tomato plants and they've never done it before and they suddenly (laughs) have a huge harvest. You know, now is a time where I think a lot of people... feral (laughs) zucchini. Yes. Oh, the endless, what do I do with all this zucchini? I can only make zucchini bread two more times before my family rebels. (laughs) For sure. And like, you know, canning is great. If you want to make your jams and jellies and tomato sauce, that's fine. But my favorite thing to experiment with is home fermentation. You know, you can take those extra peppers and figure out how to make all different kinds of hot sauce. You can get started on that sourdough you've always wanted to try for the first time. You can make a ginger bug. You know, there's all kinds of ways to use some pretty simple and not even huge batch sometimes of fresh ingredients and make something totally new and different and also, you know, full of healthy probiotics. And one thing that fermentation requires is time and people definitely have plenty of that on their hands right right now. now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So save those jars too. When you open all this canned stuff, save the jars and see what you can make. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really important part. One of the things I've been stressing lately is how most of the condiments that you buy at the at the grocery store are things you could make yourself. You know, Absolutely. your mayonnaises, your hot sauces, all of those things. And I I posted something a while back about all the uh how to build like a basic kitchen pantry for doing Asian pan Asian foods. And uh someone was like, "Well, you don't have these chili sauces or these chili oils." And I was like, "Yeah, cuz those are really 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 easy to make." Definitely. With stuff that you've already got in the pantry. And there's just a ton of things like that. So even if you're missing like, I mean, the other day I made, actually, I say the other day, this was months ago. I made, (laughs) I I was uh, craving a Taco Bell taco. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I just got stuff out of the pantry and made a a mock Taco Bell seasoning that I can use on mushrooms and make mushroom tacos that are vegetarian that way. But it yeah. still has that similar flavor and kind of kind of thing. But then I can also put it on ground beef, and it tastes exactly like a Taco Bell taco. And it's great. For sure. <laughs> it is. And again, it's like, how can I bring that comfort home and experiment a little bit? Like, you can also take that same spice and put it on tater tots, put it on vegetables, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. 
Yeah. I had something when you said Taco Bell, and now <laughs> maybe it'll come back to me. I mean, how could Taco Bell not spark something? <laughs> For sure, right? And it is its own it's its own special thing. I didn't make many vows when I moved to Los Angeles almost seven years ago, but I do remember saying, and now I'm never gonna go to Taco Bell again because how could you? There's so many amazing tacos available. How did well, that go? <laughs> that did not last very long because Taco Bell is in its own special category. You know, there's just something about it. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Every now and then you just get a craving and you're like, <laughs> you, you can't help it. Yep. <laughs> I was wondering how you think, because this, they're saying this could go on, this quarantine type of thing could go on for months. Mm -hmm. um, they're saying three to 18 months. Yeah. Um, that's going to irreparably change the way we approach food because um, restaurants will not be around. People will have to be learning how to cook. Right. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you see as the, or how do you think people can make good decisions in this period? Because a lot of people are still going to be getting takeout. A lot of people are still going to be yeah. trying that, but even just basic intro to cooking, like how do people start approaching this from a more sustaining yeah. and s sustainable way. It's true. Well, first of all, sustainable, if we're talking about health, you know, cooking at home for the most part, especially if you're relying on, on dry goods as your base, I think that's going to lead a lot of people who do switch to cooking, maybe not a hundred percent at home, but who at first at least switch to cooking more at home. It's inherently got to be healthier. You know, you've usually got less salt, less fat, um, less of these different elements that you find in fast food and, and restaurant food and even canned foods, things like sauces and, and stuff like that. Um, but I think right now, again, it's a really important time to rely on community. And if you're somebody who does have a favorite restaurant and you're a regular or someone who eats, you know, every work lunch out, and that's how you treat your employees. You know, you take them out to lunch and that's something you do regularly. You know, those dollars do still have power. Um, and you should still think about how you can spend those to support those businesses. I know at the beginning of all this, and this is a little bit of a tangent from answering your question, but I'll bring it back around, I hope. But at first, a lot of people were saying, you know, now is the time to buy as many gift certificates as you can in the hopes that when this is over, when things change a bit, that you'll still be able to, you know, utilize those businesses and keep them going. Um, and that's great. That might help, you know, we'll see what happens, but, but for the long haul, going back to, this is the time to rely on community, you know, all of those restaurant owners and workers, even if they can't, work in the space that they were used to, they still have that expertise to share with people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think now what we're going to see, and I think people will be receptive to it, you know, a lot of people respond better to learning how to cook in person versus reading a recipe, for example. And I think now is a time when you're going to see a lot of people going to YouTube for the first time, going to Twitch, um, which is a streaming service that's often used for for gamers, for people to watch people playing live video games or competitive games, you know, this is a great opportunity for people to 
teach people how to cook and do live cooking demos and give live advice. I've seen a lot of um, chefs and writers who are offering kind of ask me anything time, um, either on Twitter, or Reddit or wherever, and gardeners as well for people to write in and call in with their questions in real time um, and for people to kind of share their expertise in a way that hopefully some people will also be able to monetize um, to either be able to restart businesses later or to keep what they have going. Um, But also just this, just this sharing knowledge, like I think everyone has to accept if they're able to cook for themselves, that it's something that people really need to do either to maintain social distancing or maybe even to help other people in their communities who can't, you know, now's the time if you have neighbors who, you know, are elderly, maybe, um, who have young children, you know, when you make that huge batch of something, bring them some and leave it on the doorstep and they can come out and get it. Mm. Um, and that can be incredibly helpful, but also again, food, food is this amazing thing that we all share that can bring together community. So it's my hope that people will maybe focus more on the local than ever before and come up with new creative ways to, to support these people who are used to working in restaurants and to really keep keep the food system going. That was Allison Sidhu, the managing editor of Foodle and Gardener's Path. To check out her recipes, just head over to foodle.com. That's F-O-O-D-A-L.com. And if you are like me and you're just starting your home project of getting a garden going with all this extra time on your hands, go check out her recommendations for doing that at gardenerspath.com. Home Fried is a production of Dirty Spoon Media. I'm Jonathan Ammons, and I'm the editor-in-chief. I produce the show. I write and record the interstitial music, yada, yada, yada. Catherine Campbell is our editor-at-large, handles our website and marketing, and keeps the butter churning around here. To catch up on past episodes of the Dirty Spoon Radio Hour, just head to our webpage, dirty-spoon.com. There you can read stories, check out the artwork from our incredible contributing artists, and support us through our Patreon. We'll be back with new episodes of Home Fried every Tuesday and Thursday with occasional episodes on Saturdays. To follow along, just subscribe to Dirty Spoon Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, please share it with your friends. That's literally our advertising budget, just friends telling their friends. Always bringing you stories from the people who shape what we consume right here on the Dirty Spoon. Dirty Spoon.